Hello everyone, welcome back to the Scouting God Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to try to read all the merit badge books that Scouting has to offer and talk about all things Scouting. In this episode, we are going to be going over the life-saving merit badge book. If you are following along with us, we are on page 68. Now, let's begin. Defenses and Escapes. If you approach a victim properly, you should need to struggle with him. If he reaches for you rather than your rescue aid, let go and back off. Don't forget lead and wait options, but assume for the sake of practice that a victim manages to grab you. Remain calm. You should be able to quickly free yourself. A drowning victim wants support to keep his head clear of the water so that he can breathe. He is not trying to purposely hold you beneath the water. If a drowning person reaches for you or grabs you, your first offense is to go under fast. If the victim will likely let go since he is trying to stay up, he certainly will not swim down after you. Risk, risk escape. If a victim grabs your wrist, you have two options. If he is small and safety is near, let him hang on while you quickly tow him to shore. However, if you can also break fee by quickly jerking your wrist against his thumb. If he grabs your wrist or forearm with both hands, you may need to apply extra force. Make a wrist, make a fist with your confined hand, grab it with your free hand, and jerk them up both upward. If that doesn't break the hold, then push down with your arms to pull him up lower into the water. Rear hand hold escape. If a victim grabs you around the neck or shoulders from the rear, take a quick breath. Duck your chin to the other side, raise your shoulders, and submerge both yourself and the victim by using the arm motion of a free fist service dive. This action is also known as a suck, tuck, and duck. If you don't pull him under enough for him to let go, grasp his upper arms near the elbows and shove him upward in a way while tossing your head and shoulders swim clear of him before servicing. Do not struggle with him or try to place him in a hold. Back off and wait while you review your options of his condition. Front head hold escapes. Use the same technique if the victim grabs you from the front. Take a quick breath. Suck. Pull your chin down so it doesn't hang on his arm. Tuck. Turn your head to either side. Raise your shoulders and submerge. Duck. If he does not let go, push upwards and away with your hands beneath his arms. You may push a smaller victim up with your arms against his hips while you lean forward. Spinal injury management. Diving to shallow or unclear water is unsafe and foolish. The diver risks spinal injury, permanent paralysis, or death. In pools, most diving injuries happen in shallow water, but also can occur if the diver hits another swimmer or a diving board. In lakes and rivers, injuries are caused by misjudging the depth of the water or hitting rocks or trees unseen from the surface. If you notice anyone dive into the water and float immobile to the surface, call for help immediately. Spinal injuries are extremely serious and are best handled by trained professionals with special equipment. If you are in the water nearby, stay close while help is on the way and keep other swimmers from hitting the victim. Stabilize the victim if needed. Stabilization includes turning a victim face up and holding him to a less than further movement and any movement of the victim may worsen his spinal injury, but death by drowning is a greater concern. A victim found face down may also need rescue breathing. Hip and shoulder support. For a victim around a floating face up, move it to his side and lower yourself to ch- chest depth. If the victim is conscious, tell him not to move. Ask what happened and if he is in any pain or loss of movement. Reassure him that help is on the way and that you will hold him steady until then. If the victim is unconscious, look for signs that he is breathing. Next, slide one arm under the victim's shoulders and with your other arm under his hips. Support the victim with his face clear of the water. 
Additional rescuers can provide similar support from the other side and stand near the victim's head to protect him from contact with other swimmers. Head splint. Hip and shoulder support doesn't keep the victim's head from moving in waves and works only if he is face up. Another technique is to use his arms to brace his head. If the victim is face down, approach him carefully from the side and stand near his head. If his arms are dangling at his sides, move them forward alongside his head. Reach across and grasp his outside arm, your right to his right, or left to left, between the elbows and the shoulders with your thumb towards his hand. Grasp his other arm similarly with your free hand. Carefully swing his arms forward until they are near his ears, then squeeze them to trap the victim's head in place. Next, glide the victim slowly forward while rolling him face up. Turn the victim by pushing down on your on his arm and pulling his arms arm across. If you need to roll the victim, lower yourself in the water as needed to avoid lifting him. Your body turns to face his feet. After rolling the victim face up, continue to hold his head and in place with pressure on his arms. Brace your near his hand against your shoulder to make it easier. If the victim is not breathing, have a second rescuer start rescue breathing and check for a pulse. For a victim found face up, approach from behind his head and pull his arms into position as you face his feet. You can also approach from the side and reach one arm across his chest to squeeze his arms against his head. That approach lets you kneel in every shallow water. Head and Chin Support Another stabilization method is to hold the victim's head while squeezing his chest between your forearms. If he is face up, approach from the side and lower yourself to shoulder depth. Speak to the victim if he is conscious. Place one forearm in the middle of his chest and the other along his spine. Gently grasp the back of his head with your lower hand and grip his jaw with your upper hand. Clamp the victim in position by squeezing your forearms together. If the victim is face down, again, approach from the side. You may need to move his nearest arm to his side. Grasp his shoulders with one hand and use it the other to move his arm into position. Lower yourself to shoulder depth. Then place your arms and hands before to support his head. If you have clamped his chest between your arms, move slowly forward, roll the victim towards you. Take a breath and turn the victim face up as you, as you roll beneath him. Avoid lifting and pulling down on the victim as you roll and surface. Continue to give support as you check for breathing. No signal technique is best. Use whichever works well in this situation. If the victim is in deep water, both techniques can be used while the person is being moved to shallow water. If the victim is not breathing and has no pulse, CPR will be needed and the victim must be removed from the water quickly, with minimal movement. These are advanced procedures that are not required for life-saving merit badge. If you encounter such a rescue, seek guidance from others at the scene. First aid for water rescue. Having a basic first aid knowledge related to water rescue will help you respond safely and effectively in water emergencies. Rescue Breathing and CPR In water rescue, unconscious victims often need first aid for stop breathing. Whether the victim was suffocated by water or suffered a magical emergency, prompt rescuation is vital. CPR is a great term that includes rescue breathing, to restore normal breathing, and external heart compressions, to minimize blood circulation. If a victim is not breathing, mouth-to-mouth or mouth-to-nose rescue should be started as soon as possible. This may be the only step needed after a prompt rescue of a drowning victim. A person who has a heart attack in the water may need CPR with an AED ready for use. Rescue breathing. Move the victim from the water and position him on his back. Make sure someone has called 911 or summoned under emergency aid. If a victim is unconscious, carefully place him on his back. Protecting his head and neck if you must roll them over. 
Then, open the airway. Press on or tilt his forehead with one hand and lift his chin with the other. To tilt back the head. This action will keep his tongue from blocking the airway. Spend no more than 10 seconds to determine whether the victim is breathing normally. Look at his chest for movement. Listen for sounds of breathing. Feel for movement and breathing. If he is breathing effectively, you will feel and hear the airflow, and your cheek will feel, see and feel his chest rising and falling at the regular intervals. If the victim is not breathing, begin rescue breathing. Step 1. Use the, use the breathing barrier, if one is available. Step 2. While maintaining the head tilt, pinch the nostrils closed. Make a tight seal around the victim's mouth with your own, and blow into it. Fill the victim's lungs. For an infant, seal your mouth over both the mouth and nose, then breathe gently. Each breath should last about one second. Watch to see if the chest clearly rises. Remove your mouth and then give another rescue breath. For step 3, for a child or an infant, after two rescue breaths, check for a pulse again for no more than 10 seconds. If the victim is still not breathing, but has a pulse, continue rescue breathing. 1. Breathe about every 3 seconds. And recheck for breathing and pulse every 2 minutes as long as there is a pulse, but no breathing. If there is no signals for the heart is breathing, begin CPR immediately. For adult, after 2 rescue breaths, begin CPR immediately if the victim does not remove, resume breathing. CPR. If there is no pulse and no signals that the heart is beating, begin CPR. Step 1. Place the heel of his hand on the center of the chest. Place your other hand on top, interlocking your fingers and straightening your elbows. Step 2. Push straight down and compress the victim's chest. 1.5 to 2 inches for an adult, 1 to 1.5 inches for a child, or 1.5 to an inch for an infant. Step 3. Establish a cycle of 30 compressions, then 2 rescue breaths. This cycle applies to everyone the compressions to a rhythm of about 100 beats per minute or just under two each second. Step 4. Continue until other help arrives, an AED automated external defibrillator becomes available and is ready to use. You are too exhausted to continue. The scene becomes unsafe or the victim's pulse and breathing are established. Always follow CPR with a prompt medical examination. Other first aid conditions. Hypothermia. Exposure to cold water can lower your core temperature dangerously, a condition called hypothermia. You should avoid entering very cold water to perform a rescue. Check all water rescue victims for sign of heat loss. Early signs include blushed lips, shivering, numbness, or glassy stare. Advanced signals include decreased coordination, grogginess, and an inability to think clearly. Further chilling will lead to unconsciousness and eventually death which can occur even before a victim's body temperature drops fatally low. The victim is to prevent further heat loss. Remove the victim from the water and dry him off, preferably indoors. In mild cases, wrap the person in dry towels or anything handy. If the condition is severe, call for medical aid. Actively, but not too quickly, warn the victim and minimize movement. If a shelter is not close by, ship down and cover both the victim and, your and yourself in dry towels and use your own body as a heat source. If the victim is unconscious, open the airway and check for breathing in a pulse. Rates for rescue breathing and chest compressions are the same as for any other victims. But with hypothermia, a pulse may be very slow and weak. Check for up to 45 seconds to make sure a pulse is absent before you begin chest compressions. Sunburn. The familiar condition is a common during swimming, swimming activities. To prevent sunburn, cover up. Use a waterproof sunscreen with an SPF rating of 15 or higher, and limit your time in the sun. If your skin begins to redden or feel painful to the touch, get out of the sun. 
To treat sunburn, apply clean cloths, towels, or gauze pads dipped in cool water. Protect the burn area from further sun exposure. For secure cases, consult a physician. Heat exhaustion. Symptoms of heat exhaustion may include dizziness, faintingness, nausea, and severe lack of energy. A person with heat exhaustion also may develop a headache, muscle cramps, a rapid pulse, look pale, and be sweating heavily. To treat heat exhaustion, have the victim lie down in a cool, shady spot with the feet raised. Cool the person with a damp cloth or a fan. Have the victim sip water. Recovery should be rapid. If the condition worsens, get medical help. Heat stroke. This extreme, life-threatening heat reaction occurs when dehydration, water loss, has caused a very high body temperature. The victim's cooling system has started to fail and the person's core temperature is at a dangerously high level. In addition to any symptoms of heat exhaustion, heat stroke symptoms can include hot, sweaty red skin, confusion, and disorientation. The victim may be unconscious. Cool the victim in immediately by fanning and applying wet towels. If you have ice packs, wrap them in thin barriers such as a t-shirt and place them under the armpits and against the neck and groin area. If the person is able to drink, give them small amounts of cool water. Treat for shock and seek medical help. Muscle cramps. These painful muscle spasms or contractions often affect the calf, foot, or abdomen. It can impair swimming ability and may endanger a pool swimmer. Causes include cold temperatures, sudden or unusual movements, and loss of salt from heat stresses. If a swimmer gets a cramp, have him float aid. If one is not handy, have him float on his back or survival float. If possible, have him massage and stretch the affected muscle to improve circulation. Cramps are not serious unless the victim panics. If conditions are hot, cool down and drink fluids. If conditions are cold, find warmth and shelter. Snings and bites. This is not common when swimming in pools or lakes, but in salt water, swimmers may suffer severe stings from certain types of jellyfish, sea urchins, Portuguese man-of-war, or other ocean sea creatures. Knowing the body of water you are swimming and obeying warning signs at beaches, such as instructions to shuffle your feet to avoid rays, and avoiding possible contact with dangerous sea animals is the best strategy. After helping a sting victim from the water, seek medical help aid. If the victim is in severe pain, is having trouble breathing, has an allergic reaction, or feels dizzy, or if the pain does not help in a short time. For jellyfish stings, soak the area with vinegar or alcohol, or cover a paste of baking soda mixed with water. For stingray sea urchin or spiny fish stings, flush the wound with tap or ocean water. Immobilize the injured area and soak it in water as hot as the victim can stand. For about 30 minutes or until medical personnel take over, packing the area in hot sand may have a similar effect if the sand is not hot enough. Next, carefully clean the wound and apply a bandage. Consult a physician for puncture wounds. Hyperventilation. This condition is a result of over-breathing, either deliberately or as a result of panic. Hyperventilation decreases the level of carbon dioxide in the blood and suppresses the breathing reflex. This likely results in dizziness and fainting. If a swimmer becomes panicky, he or she should be removed from the water and calmed. A foolish swimmer may be deliberately trying to hyperventilate for underwater swimming. This is dangerous and should never be attempted. Pre-existing medical conditions. Pre-existing medical conditions may contribute to drowning emergencies, although the underlying conditions, for example, epilepsy, diabetes, or asthma, might have existed for, for years, major symptoms can occur suddenly. The first priority is to help the person breathe. 
with the conscious victim provides support to keep his head above water. The victim might not be able to grasp a flotation aid. With unconscious victims, check for breathing. Send for immediate emergency medical aid. Perform CPR if needed. Look for a medical alert tag. Cardiovascular disease, a heart attack, happens when the flow of blood to heart tissue is blocked. One symptom is persistent chest pain or pressure that lasts longer than three to five minutes or goes away and comes back. Chest pain may extend to the jaw, shoulders, neck, and arms. There may also be nausea, vomiting, and shortness of breath or difficulty with breathing. Other signs include dizziness, light headaches or fainting, sweating, pale, ashen, or blushed skin. The victim may lose consciousness. If you are rescuing someone from the water who shows such symptoms, keep him calm and send for emergency aid. If the victim lacks a pulse, perform CPR until help arrives. A stroke happens when the blood supply to the brain is blocked. Symptoms include weakness or numbness, usually in the face and arms, and often only on one side of the body. The victim may be dizzy, confused, and unable to speak clearly. Um, vision may be blurred. Such a victim might not be able to help during a water rescue. Get the victim out of the water, call for emergency aid, reassure the victim, and monitor breathing. Epilepsy. In this complicated disorder, electrical signals in the brain trigger seizures, ranging from short lapses in attention to severe convulsions. About one in every 100 children have epilepsy. Although medication can control seizures, well, well, people with epilepsy should swim only under close supervision and with a physician approval. A person having a seizure in the water could submerge without warning. You, if you observe someone having convulsions in the water, first see if a companion or lifeguard comes to his aid. If not, approach him from the rear and hold the victim's face clear of the water by lifting his arms or holding the sides of his head with your hands. Don't try to stop the movement. Do only what is necessary to keep the victim's head clear of the water until the seizure ends. Diabetes Diabetes emergencies may happen when the body sugar level is either too high or too low. Symptoms include rapid breathing and pulse, feeling and looking ill, and changes in the level of consciousness. Several million Americans have di diabetes. A sufferer in the water may ask for help and aid in the assist. Use any standard technique to move the victim to shore. Get a conscious person candy, a soft drink, or table sugar dissolved in water. Call for emergency medical aid if the person is unconscious. Asthma. During an asthma attack, the sufferer has trouble breathing and may take wheezing sounds. Such attacks are relatively rare when swimming, but are not uncommon during vigorous exercises in hot, humid weather. If a victim is in the water, he may be able to help to get them out. Once on shore, have him rest in a comfortable position and try to find his medication. If the attack continues, seek medical aid. Hazardous water conditions. Adequate, inadequate swimming skills in medical emergencies are frequent causes for distress in the water. As a lifesaver, you may also encounter hazardous water conditions. Strong currents, crashing waves, floods, submerged cars, and cold water will influence whether you can perform a safe rescue or will need to go for help. Moving water. Moving water is an extremely powerful. It can uproot trees, tumble cars and that weigh thousands of pounds, and crush a canoe against a rock in seconds. Even the best of swimmers cannot prevail against such force. 
While not all currents are that strong or dangerous, the strength of moving water is not easy to judge. A strong river current may exist although the surface looks calm. Use caution whenever you see foam or debris flowing past or when vegetation at a river's edge is particularly submerged, including higher than normal water. If you are in a current free of obstructions, swim at right angles to the flow. You will also move with the current, so expect to land downstream from where you start. River currents. River currents can change dramatically between low water and flood stage. Although a river may have been safer swimming or canoeing on a previous outing, it might be hazardous the next time you go. Remember also that currents are faster and deeper on the outside of a river bend than on the inside. When making a rescuer, the safe spot to aim for may be the inside of a bend. In Inexperienced swimmers often get into trouble because they don't realize that both the depth of the water and the strength of the current can vary rapidly as they wide out from the flat, sandy area on the side of a bend. Small children and poor swimmers should have close in-water supervision when swimming in flowing rivers. Ideally, they should wear PFDs. Bridges, piling rocks, and other large obstacles can create eddies. Areas are just downstream where the current actually reverses direction and swirls upstream. Tight river bends may also cause eddies as the main channel across from one side to the other. Eddies can sometimes be used as safe havens during a water rescuer. They can capsize an unwary canoeist crossing between the downstream and upstream flow. Whitewater or rapids may be caused by rocks and ledges in a steep riverbed or other obstacles that narrow the channel. Large standing waves occur when currents change speed. Do not enter a river to help someone who is about to be swept into rapids. It may be safe to go in after they have been carried into a downstream pool. If a boating mishap throws you into white water, hang on to the upstream side of the craft even if it is full of water. Worry about the safety of yourself and your companions, not the boat. If you catch a throw line from shore, it is often best to abandon the boat. If you are thrown into rapids away from the boat, float feet first on your back. Keep your feet up, stroke with your hands to avoid rocks, and move sideways towards the shore. Do not try to climb onto a rock from the upside stream. You may be trapped against it. If you make it to an eddy behind a large rock, it may be possible to climb out of the water from the downstream side. If you hit a stretch of relatively calm water, swim for shore as fast as you can to get out before the next set of rapids... Always get out of cold water as quickly as possible. To avoid down trees or strainer, try to land on shore above it or swim around it. If the current is forcing you straight onto it, change from a feet first to a float to a head first prone position with your feet at the surface. Be prepared to climb above the tree and hang on rather than bounce off and be swept underneath. Aim for a place on the tree where you can grab on and pull yourself up. Hydraulics. Many streams and some rivers have small, low-head dams crossing from one side to the other. Except in periods of low water, the river is meant to flow over top of these such dams. That can create a condition called hydraulic or roller, where the water flows over the dam and then rolls back towards it. Anything caught in this flow is trapped at the base of the dam and can be trampled over and over. The churning water is full of bubbles that make it difficult to catch a breath and hard to swim. If you are caught in a hydraulic, stay calm. Depending on how the dam is constructed, there are two ways of escape on your own. Swim and push yourself along the roller to the side, or swim for the bottom where there is downstream current. The best protection from a hydraulic is to avoid it. Don't swim or boat near a dam on either side. Do not enter a hydraulic to help someone. You will be hard-pressed to escape or help that person. 
Throwing a float might help keep the victim's head above water. Better yet, throw the victim a float with a line attached so you can pull him out. Fording streams. When crossing a stream bed, it is best to do so at a bridge or established crossing. If the water is close to knee deep, take precautions such as loosening a pack straps, using a line across the stream, and crossing one at a time. Turn your back in shallow water and your footing is unsure. Do not cross if the water is deep and swift. It is sometimes tempting to cross areas where the water is shallow rather than wading in deeper water. At other points, be cautious. As little as six inches of fast-flowing water can sweep you off your feet, particularly if the bottom is slippery. Stepping across on exposed rocks can also be dangerous if you slip onto the narrow spaces between them where the water is deeper and faster. Wading through such spots can be hazardous, as in jumping. Playing it safe. Do not cross a stream at any point where a fall could cause injury or expose you to unsafe water conditions. Ocean Currents Rip currents, strong seaward floats of water, they often occur where a break in a sandbar provides a channel for outgoing water. Rip currents are fairly narrow and are recognizable as strips of foamy sandy colored water that causes a gap in breaking waves. According to the United States Lifesaving Association, rip currents are a factor in most rescues performed by beach lifeguards. Rip currents can carry an unwary swimmer in many yards offshore. Poor swimmers may panic and help and need help after they exhaust themselves trying to swim to shore against the current. If you are helping such a person, have him swim across the current parallel to the beach. When clear, swim for shore. Set or, or drift currents running along the shoreline. They will not carry you out to sea, but can wash you onto areas of potential danger, such as pilings. Check every so often to see if you are drifting. A backwash or runback is most noticeable on steep beaches and is caused when the water cast ashore by a wave flows back seaward. The rushing water may wash the sand from beneath your feet and isn't normally dangerous. Backwash combined with waves may cause a problem for small child or inexperienced swimmers. While it may lead to the concept of undertow, backwash does not suck a person down and hold them underwater. However, on steep beaches, the combined action of waves and tides may produce an abrupt change in depth that can be hazardous to weak swimmers. The twice-daily cycle of high and low tides cause tidal currents. The currents can be very strong in the channels between islands or coastal areas where the main shoreline is separated from the open ocean by islands or barrier bars. Avoid swimming in such areas. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Scouting Guide Podcast. We will be back next week for another exciting Merit Badge reading pamphlet. Until next time, happy scouting!